Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Well, we have been in a three-month series on the book of James, and we're coming to the end here. And we've looked at life's pressure points. We looked at what do we do when we start to feel the pinch of life coming up against us? How should we respond as Canadians of faith. And then, and then we looked at, so what happens when there's a contradiction? When what I believe to be true doesn't, or what feels like is right and true doesn't line up with what it says in the Bible. How do I reconcile that? And then the last few weeks, we've been looking at issues of our character. We've been saying, well, what, what does it look like to live with patience and, and have our confidence in God? But then we get to the end of the book. We're going to go to James chapter 5, verse 12, and we're only going to study one verse here this morning. So we've studied all of these things. We've been going through this for months. And then he gets to this line in verse 12, and here's what he says, but most of all. So if he's going to say, but most of all, he's summing it all up, right? All of this stuff is true, but most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath. Now, all of you new Canadians, what have you done? Yeah, you affirm. <laughs> you, don't, you took an oath. What have you? What have, let's keep reading. Never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. So it clearly says something about taking oaths. We need to know what it's talking about because obviously there's, that we, are, we are taking oaths all over the time. We're making promises. We're making commitments. We do this as a people. We do this as a culture. So we need to understand, James, what were you writing to the followers of the church and how, does that, um, how do we apply that to our lives? So we're going to f- spend uh, 25, 30 minutes this morning figuring that out. So to understand, James in its entirety as a book, the reason it was written was to bring people through an understanding of how to live a life that is truly representative of a follower of Jesus. This is why it was, why it was written. They were living under Roman occupation. They were, they were rebelling. They were, they, were, they were frustrated with the way that they were being pressured and they needed to understand. And they were also, they're also bringing in a Jewish understanding. And James is writing, let me teach you how to live out your faith, not just have it as something that you understand. And, and we came to a lot of verses where we read this, right? That we said, faith that is understood but isn't lived out, he said, that kind of faith is useless and doesn't do anything. And then he got really dramatic and he said, in fact, if you don't live out what you believe, what Pastor Dwayne was just talking about, what did he call your faith? He said, it's dead. And James wasn't just using it for dramatic purposes. He was saying there is something about embodying, living, acting out all of the things that you say that you believe and to be true. So to be a follower of Jesus, James says, is living out what you believe. And then he drops this line and he says, now, above everything else, don't mess it up by taking an oath and by making promises. Just live it out. Don't get so focused on on what you say and and the big things you do. Just live it out. Now, for those of you who are in the room and are watching online with us, if you've already made a a decision to be a follower of Jesus, do you remember the oath that you took when you became a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? Do Do you remember that oath? 
It kind of went like this. We said, I swear to bear true allegiance to his majesty, Doug Ryan, Prince of Portico. And do, do you remember that? Do you remember that oath? Do you guys take that oath? That was just me? Oh, oh shoot. No, no. We, that's, we didn't take an oath, did we? There was no big grandiose statement that we made when we became followers of Jesus. Now, in some faith traditions, we know there was something that you may have heard of that, that people would call the sinner's prayer. And they would say, what we need to do is acknowledge that, that Jesus was God's son, that he died on behalf of you and I for our sins. We need to admit that we, we are sinful, that we need help to have our relationship reconciled to God. So we say, Lord, I, forgive me of my sins. I put my faith in you and, and come into my heart is how often it would be said. But did you know that there is nowhere in scripture that details the sinner's prayer? There is no oath that you are to take to become a Christian. There are elements in that. That, that is something that we have applied in many, in many situations because there, there is teaching about, well, we have to have belief in our heart and we have to have some kind of confession verbally. We have to have a humbling of our attitudes and there, there should be some kind of changing of ways. So we understand all this. But there is no teaching that says, take this oath and make it declaratively and that makes you a Christian. In fact... Did you know that the word Christian is not a biblical term? The word Christian is our term, our understanding of how we have applied our faith. So at Portico, we, we, we tend to call ourselves followers of Jesus. Have you become a follower of Jesus? Because that's how they were described in the Bible. They called themselves followers of the way. Jesus called himself the way. And if you were with us last year when we did a long Old Testament study, we, we learned that the way was a gate in the temple. Do you remember this? We were talking about it there. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And the way was the first gate that they went in. It was an entrance into God's presence. And Jesus said, I, I am the way and the truth. I'm the way that you get there. So they called themselves, not Christians, they called themselves followers of the way. But we're in a culture that loves labels, don't we? We need to label ourselves as something. It gives us identity. If, if, if we don't have a certain label, it almost makes us uncomfortable. Some of you are like, yes, I'm Canadian, but I'm actually South Asian Canadian. Not even just Asian, I'm, I'm South Asian Canadian. You're like, I'm, 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 uh, I'm Caribbean. I'm not just Caribbean, but I'm from Jamaica. <laughs> yeah. And the Jamaicans, no, no. And, and, and then, and then from, from, uh, from Barbados, no, 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 I'm Beijing. No, no. Don't call me Caribbean, I'm, I'm Beijing and Canadian. We, we want to label ourselves because, because when we put a label on ourselves, it means we identify with another group and, and it, gives us, it gives us some kind of special, um, it sets us aside. It, it, it helps people understand us. We do this generationally, don't we? How many millennials are there in the room? God bless you, millennials. Yeah, thank you for getting up out of bed and not just watching us online this morning. Just kidding. Take it easy, right? <laughs> how, many, how many Gen Xers are in the room? We have some Gen X. Yeah, we love, we are, we're finally coming around. That's right. We, we, we've gotten over our bitter ways, self-centered ways, and we're, we're taking on the world now. Good for us. How many, how many baby boomers are in the room? You are the, the stable... It's a stable part of our society that have just sucked all of the money and all of the uh, systems and left nothing for the rest of us. Thank you, baby boomers. And we have, the, we, we have the Buster. Any Buster generations? You're still with us this morning. Any Gen Z? You're below the millennials? No, you're all, they're upstairs in kids' ministry. That's right. They're with, they're with Janine and with, and with Sonia. We like to label ourselves, though, don't we? In fact... We're going so far, we need to label our genders differently. We need to label our sexuality differently. We need to label our age. We need to label our style. We are so consumed with defining something. And James says, guys, 
Be so much less concerned with how you label and be concerned about how you live. Your label is not important. What you say is not important. How you live is important. Don't get all worked up. I swear to you, I'm this. I, I, I need to convince you this is who I am. Just be concerned with how you live. So if you're taking notes this morning, get out your iPad or your phone. You can follow along on the Portico app or you can have your bulletin. You can take some uh, notes, pen and paper. We're going to go through this verse and say, what was James talking about when he said, don't take the oath? Because he was talking about how we label ourselves. He was talking about how we speak and and what that means compared with how we live. So here's the first thing. We need to refuse to take advantage of God's authority. We need to refuse to put ourselves in the place of God and saying, I speak on behalf of God. (laughs) Even the term Christian, right? A little Christ saying, I represent who God is. That is us stepping in, and we need to be careful when we take the authority that God should have reserved only for him. Ask yourself this, how many things have you ever said because you really, really want it to be true, and you've said, and this is what the Bible teaches, but Jesus never said it? How many things have you tried to convince, whether it's your kids or your neighbors or or somebody in your small group, and you're really convinced that it's true, but Jesus never said it? There's all kinds of things that you might personally value that Jesus never said. And it doesn't mean that there's no value to it, but it just because you value it doesn't mean Jesus taught it. And we need to understand it. We get really caught up in, I need to tell you what, what it looks like to follow God. I swear to you this is what God would want you to do because it's important to me. We need to watch that we don't take God's authority. Have you ever heard the teaching that you should dress your best when you come to church? Has anybody, now, Pastor Dwayne was looking like a slob up here this morning. He had jeans on, and yeah, I, I, I don't know what's going on there, but, but we've, <laughs> we need to, we, 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 we've, we've heard this, and it came from pure motives. It said, when I come to worship, I want to bring my best, so I want to I I present myself as best as I can because this is my act of worship. Pure intentions. Study the words and teachings of Jesus. Do you know that almost every time he spoke about dress, he said the problem with it is that it separates humans. And it actually builds arrogance. And it actually was something that we carried, that people carried as a symbol of wealth. And they said, you look for the best dressed person and you'll seat them at the front. And that's a problem. Because the last should be first. And those who are first in the world should be last. He actually called it out and said, it might not be a wise idea when you come to present yourself the best. Now, pure intention, there is nothing wrong with looking. Jordan, you are looking, where are you? Jordan, you are looking fine this morning. I noticed that when you came in. Isn't he looking good right there, Jordan? Yeah, buddy. There, you are looking absolutely wonderful this morning, and you came dressed your best to worship. Now, my friend Colin over here with his Canada hat on, Colin's a millennial, so you just need to know, Colin, Colin's a millennial. And Colin can't get out of bed in time to brush his hair, so he has a problem. So he had, just has to put a hat on, and so he puts his hat on. But listen, there is nothing about the suit or the hat 
that defines worship. They can, Jesus didn't talk about take your hat off before. There was some cultural, like, you're right, there were talks about hat. That was not what was being addressed there. It's a misapplied scripture. We have put our values onto what Jesus said. And he said, and, and this teaching here is stop being so concerned with how you present yourself. Stop being so concerned with, with, with what you would say and the rules. Just be concerned above all. Be concerned with how you live. Don't take the oath. Now let me flip it to the other side. There are some of you that came to worship this morning and the biggest problem with our worship service this morning is that these lights are on. You would go, if we could just turn these lights off, man, God's presence would be so much better if there was more, if the stage was, was bright and that was dark and the lights should move like this. This is, this is when God starts to move. I can see it. And the reason I can see it is because there is smoke that is emanating out and I can feel it in my bones when, when the worship is happening. And you know what? You can't feel God's spirit. You're feeling bass. That is what you're feeling. It's rocking your lungs and your heart and it's shortening your life, and it's not actually God's spirit, it is base. <laughs> and it's liquid smoke, it's like, you, you said God's presence, but you'll walk out and you'll go, God's presence was so thick this morning. <laughs> it's music, you like music, that's okay, it's wonderful that you like music, but don't attach God to it. Don't go and say, but God tells us that's the way we should worship. But God tells us that the way we should dress. This is what was happening in the community. They were addressing a problem that there were all kinds of people who were starting to teach, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to fast for 40 days. And I'm going to make a note, I'm fasting for 40 days and I want everybody to know. And, and James says, don't, no, don't, don't, don't make that oath because that's not better worship. That Just live it. This is why Jesus said, if you're going to fast, go into your closet and don't let anybody know. And, and wash yourself, make your, don't let anybody know what you're, don't worry about how it's happening. If, if God has called you to do it, then do it. But don't worry about if Dwayne's doing it or I'm doing it. Or don't worry about it. Just honor God. With, stop worrying about the big outward demonstration. Worry about how you live. We're going to play a little game here this morning and say, uh, it's called, what did Jesus actually say? <laughs> Let's throw it on the board here. Which of these did Jesus actually say? Did he say those who live righteously will, now don't yell it out because I don't want anybody to feel embarrassed in church this morning. That is not what we're about. But <laughs> those who live righteously will be blessed. So those who, who live the purest life, they will be blessed and they will get good stuff. Did he say that? No, he did not say that. He said actually, um, those who will be blessed are those who mourn. And those who thirst for just purity and righteousness. Did Jesus say, I came that you would be happy? No. He said, I came that you would be free. Did he say, if anybody wants to follow me, they must turn from their selfish ways? Yeah. <laughs> he said, stop worrying about the way that you want it and how you will get ahead and how, and how things will go the way you... Get away from that. Turn away and just follow me, James 5, 12, above all my brothers and sisters, do not swear by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Here's the way the message reads it. I love it. It says this, don't add words like I swear to God to your own words. Kids, 
Have you ever been so convinced of something and you really want your parents to believe it and they're, and they're like, Mom, I swear to you that room will be clean by the end of the week. I swear it. <laughs> and every mother goes, just do it. Stop talking about it and just do it. I'll believe it when I see it. You catch that? I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. If what God is speaking to your heart is so true and so right and so applicable, you shouldn't have to tell anybody. (laughs) They will see it. (laughs) Don't worry about making the public demonstration and, and making sure everybody else does it the way you want it to be. Just live righteously. Just honor God. Swearing by an oath is often an attempt to manipulate those who are hearing you speak, to believe that, that what you're saying is actually more, strong, more important than it, than it actually is. See, I have to tell you guys, Pastor Doug's not here this week, but he told me before he left, Pastor Doug told me, what I have to say this morning is really important, so listen really closely and tweet a lot about it so that he knows that you're listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He didn't. He, he, he didn't. he didn't say that. <laughs> I want to borrow his authority. Kids, you know how to get away with this at, at home. When mom's away for the weekend and you want dad to do something, what is the way that you can get this? Mom said we're supposed to do this. <laughs> and every dad, the fear starts shaking through them. Shoot, did mom say we're supposed to do this? She said I'm not supposed to call her unless it's an emergency. This feels like it's an emergency. I have to call mom. <laughs> We do this out of a desire to control people, right? We want to control what other people are doing, so we say something, we, 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 we make a big statement, and that's what's being addressed here. Jesus said it in Matthew 5, 37. He said, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Yes, I'm doing this. No, I'm not. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Anything that's manipulative, anything that, that is showy comes from the evil one. Do you remember when Jesus was being tempted? And he went, out into, he went out into the wilderness. This is Satan's biggest strategy against us. He takes something that almost sounds true and he just twists it a little bit so that we get led astray. And that's why it comes from the evil one. He said to Jesus, didn't God say he would command his angels to protect you? So jump off that cliff. <laughs> the first half is, is, is right on. It's bang on. So he's saying, so you can risk it. So you can do this. It was Satan's agenda to mislead Jesus away and into sin. Ask yourself this. Have you ever said something that's 90% true, but 10% is just twisted a little bit because that benefits you more? Because that gets you a little bit more. The rest of it's true, but it's just twisted a little bit. That comes, as Jesus says, from the evil one. (laughs) And we got to watch ourselves that, that the real danger here that's being addressed is when we say, and God wants us to do that, we're making a statement, we're making an oath that's saying, I'm going to do this, I'm doing this because God wants me to. It's amazing the amount of people who will airlift quotes out of scripture or misinterpret scripture that cause hurt to thousands of people because they understand they want it this way. But that's not what scripture teaches. We have gone through centuries of our church history where women have not been allowed into leadership positions, 
When God designed us as equal, as men and women, he created us in his image. And God created us in his perfect image. And we are returning to a place where there's perfect image. Sin comes in and there's brokenness. And then there, there's a few verses in scripture that, that, says, that says, you know, in Corinthians, where there was disorder in worship happening. And, and Paul says, it's not supposed to be disorderly, so stop yelling out. Women, you were just... Be quiet, because you, you didn't understand. You weren't educated in that place, so please stop. And then we have misapplied it because a male-dominated culture wanted it that way or misinterpreted that way, and we twisted it. And we have caused hurt to millions of women who thought, maybe God doesn't want me to speak. Maybe God doesn't want me to lead. And we make this statement, but this is what God said. I, I, was, so, I was so proud of our, of, of our POC, our movement. We just had a conference a couple of months ago uh, and, they, and, and they made a renewed commitment to making sure that we have women lead pastors who are, who are women on our board members, women who are leading and have influence. And we, need, and we actually had a strategy to make sure, how do we raise up more leaders? Why? Because the Bible teaches that. And it's not about what I have been comfortable with or what I have done or what I would prefer. It is about what Jesus taught and what he embodied. And that's what we need to teach out. In fact, this has been the failing of the church over the years, you know, when the church started, there was, there was one church, and it came, that's the roots of the Catholic church, but you have small, small straying from what is only 100% true, generation over generation, and you get to a place where there's manipulation, where there's misunderstanding, and we have to go back and say, I am only going to live what Jesus taught. And I'm not going to be worried about making a big statement that, that, that sweeps over everyone. I'm not going to stand up and make sure everybody knows we should do it this way. I'm just going to live for Jesus. And if it's pure and if it's true, it will resonate with the Holy Spirit that is in other people. Which is why we come to our second point, our last closing thought here this morning. You need to draw your identity from your relationship with God. Don't draw your identity from anything else other than who you are as a child of God, as a son or daughter of the Most High. You as a follower of Jesus, that's enough. You don't need to add to it. You don't need to tell other people that it's more, you're more important because you follow him. You don't even need to tell people that you're right. You, catch that? You don't need to tell people that you're right. Just live right. Don't tell people, just live it. If you speak like Jesus... If you forgive like Jesus, if you love like Jesus, if you offer grace like Jesus, if you live with truth like Jesus, you know what people will see in you? Jesus. And if I live, if I live like Rick and I speak like Rick, they'll see Rick. And I want them to see Rick. I want them to see Jesus. The last half of verse 12 says this. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. As we were doing the study for this, as we were preparing our team, if, if you don't know, we, we prepare these messages in team. There's five of us, and we were doing some study, and, and someone brought up, they say, look at this translation of what it says to say just a simple yes or no. Here's, what it's, here's one way it's translated. Just be who you are. Isn't that beautiful? Don't worry about making a big statement. Just be who you are. And who you are is an individual who carries the Spirit of God with them and can bring truth and life and grace into any situation if you would just live that way and be so much less focused on how you speak. As I was preparing yesterday, this is a thought that was going through my head. What would our community look like if all the energy we put 
into our services and into our teaching and into our church structure and into debating about our faith and doing it the right way? What if we took all of that energy and invested it right into being involved in loving people? What would our communities look like? Man, it would be a different place because we put a lot of energy into worrying about what our faith looks and sounds like. Do you know that, when, do you, remember when Jesus was arrested and he was brought into Herod's court, so now he's under oath and they're asking him all these things. And this is Jesus who said, don't take oaths, right? So he's now under oath and they're, and they're saying, who are you? Did you do this? Would you just tell us, are you the son of God? Do you remember what he said? He, he wouldn't even say yes. He said, you yourself said it. That's what you've said. He goes, but that's not all. Watch this. Soon you'll see it for yourself. He goes, don't listen to my voice. You will see it. <laughs> Colin and I were chatting this week, and we said, there are way too many of us in church that are waiting for a church program to organize us to go out and be the church. There are way too many of us that say, you know what, it would be really great if the church was present at the Canada Day festivals. And what they mean is, it would be really great if there was a bunch of people in purple t-shirts under a banner and they knew that Portico was there. You know what would be really great? If there were a bunch of the church who were there volunteering. Don't wait to be organized. Just go and live. Don't, don't wait for people to say, hey, we need to put you together and make you do. Just go and live the truth that you know is in you and set people free by the way that you serve alongside them, by the way that you represent Christ in your volunteer positions, in your jobs, in your homes. Just live free and let people see the freedom that's within you. You don't need a banner. You just need to serve Jesus. This week, I was coaching soccer. I, I brought this up a few weeks ago when I was speaking at this campus. We've coached soccer for a number of years, and soccer is the one sport that neither Amanda and I were ever trained in or played. We have no real understanding of the game on mass. But we've coached it every year because we have more time in the summer. <laughs> and we coach it for... We, we understand team, and we understand... Like, we have played rec soccer, but we've, we've, we've never played high-level soccer where we would know the intricacies of the game. But we coach it every year for the one reason, and it's to bring the kingdom of God to the community in which we live. And I was, I was on the sideline this week, and there was another coach beside me, and we were joking, and we were cheering on the girls, and we were, we were both laughing. And he stopped, and he goes, you know that there's no other coach who talks to me this way? And I thought, I 100% believe it, because... <laughs> Because I'm not here just to win the game. In fact, I don't care if we win the game. Side note, we won the game. <laughs> Two one, second time all year. We, they were the best team they hadn't lost. I don't know what happened. It was God's grace. God doesn't care if we win soccer. Just, I'm joking. But he is, this is the best team in the league. Hadn't lost a game all year. Saying, you know, I appreciate coaching alongside you. And I thought, oh man, that's why I'm coaching soccer great that we won, but I, this guy noticed something different. And then after the game, we, we took all the kids out to Tim Hortons, and we got maple donuts, because it's Canada Day weekend, and we taught the kids, this is what you eat when you're patriotic. You don't eat the chocolate, you eat the maple. This is, this is what we do, kids. 
And there was a parent that talked to me. They said, I, oh, I, I was supposed to be moved to another team, but I'm so thankful. I, f- I called the convener and I wanted them back on your team because my daughter's never as cared about as when she's, she's on your team. And we suck. <laughs> but she wants back on. Across the field this week, there was another family from the church and all three of their kids were refereeing. All three, so the, both parents were there cheering on the refereeing, <laughs> they saw our team and they came over and talked with our team and we, we had conversation going on. We talked with other families from the neighborhood and all the while, North Mississauga has no idea that North Mississauga is a ministry of Portico. <laughs> you know why? Because we don't wear purple t-shirts. I wear my North Mississauga t-shirt because nobody, Pastor Doug did not organize me. I have to say, I'm un- in fact, I have to look at him and say, I'm unavailable Thursday nights because I'm serving in my community because I care that those people know who Jesus is. Because everybody here on Sunday, I know has an opportunity to know who Jesus is, but I have no clue if the people in North Mississauga soccer have an opportunity to know who Jesus is. This room represents the ability to transform entire communities. And listen to me, my heart on this. It will not happen if you dress better in church. It will not. (laughs) The community will not be transformed based on whether you wear a hat or not. We have been going through stage renovations and this isn't just so we all are clear, this isn't finished. Those those pylons are not the finished product. (laughs) They will have, Chris is gonna hate me now. He's been working hard week after week to get this place done. But guess what? Nobody's going to come to know Jesus because we finished this off black. <laughs> it will not even happen if we convince them that they just need to get to know Pastor Doug because he's just the coolest guy. <laughs> it will only happen when they start to see Jesus in you and they start to experience it for themselves. What would happen in our community if we took our focus off of how I want to do church? how I want you to do church, how I talk about church, and we just went out and lived our faith. Do you love your nation? Do you love Canada? If you love your nation, we need to be reminded that our nation needs the presence of God in it more than ever today. And the presence of God goes into our nation when we go out into our nation and live out the presence of God wherever we are. We need people who, just like Jesus, even when we are faced with, you know, when, when, when we're faced with criticism about what the church is and what Christianity is, and they say, what do you say about your church? What do you say about this? You're, you're small-minded and you're, and you're critical and there's brokenness. And we need people who would just be like Jesus and go, you know what, that's what you say but you will see what the church is because of how I live. You can have that kind of confidence if you just begin to respond to the way that the Spirit is leading you and you live and you love like Jesus did. We're going to close by singing our national anthem. And we're not going to sing it as a big declaration because that would pretty much go against everything I just talked about for 35 minutes. (laughs) We are going to sing it because I'm proud of my country. Because I want to be a participant, not just in my church, but in my country. Because I want to participate and represent God's spirit wherever I go. 
And that means I'm going to do that today as we go and, and be with friends. We're going to do that today as we watch fireworks. I am going to be the church in our community. And if you would commit to that, I'm going to ask you to stand together and we are going to sing O Canada as proud Canadians and proud followers of Jesus. Lord, thank you for this group of people. Thank you for your church. And Lord, we sang that to commit to representing you in our country. Lord, thank you for our country. As we prayed before, we pray that we would experience not only freedom as citizens, we would continue to bring freedom as citizens of heaven to our world. And Lord, I ask that wherever we go, you would remind us that that's what we bring. We bring light. We bring life. We bring grace. We bring truth. And Lord, help us to be that representative of you wherever we go, whatever we say today. We thank you and we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.